by inch, row by row, gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Inch by inch, row by row, someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from below till the rain comes tumbling. It is time on WDEV for In the Garden with Peter Burt, author of Year-Round Indoor Salad Gardening. Our program today is brought to you by The Willie Store, your true value hardware store near Caspian Lake in Greensboro. By Clausen Florist Greenhouse and Perennial Farm, your full-service florist in Colchester, Vermont, Clausen's.com online. By Guy's Farm and Yard, your neighborhood community feed, grain, animal, and yard store. Locations in Morrisville, Montpelier, St. Albans, and Williston. Guy'sFarmandYard.com. By Grow Compost, compost soils, mulches, and expert gardening advice. On Route 2 in Moortown. GrowCompost.com. By PR Lumber, your complete local lumber store on Route 15 in Walcott. Customer Appreciation Day today, and yes, they've got those cedar raised beds uh, pre-manufactured and ready for your garden. By Menards Agway, your yard, garden, and pet place, Brooklyn Street, Morrisville. By Blossom Cottage Florist, top quality flower arrangements and more on Route 302 in Barrie. And Taste of the North online at tasteofthenorth.com. By Linda's Apparel, bursting with vibrant colors, stylish accessories, and sparkling jewelry. And the most captivating collections of ladies' fashions around. They're on Main Street in Virgins. By Jail Branch Greenhouse, Perennials, Annual Soils, and Great Selection. Route 302 in Barry. And your locally owned Agway store, seeds and feeds, and a whole lot more on Route 302 in Montpelier. We are broadcasting on all the frequencies of WDEV FM and AM and streaming worldwide on the internet at WDEVradio.com. And here is your host, Peter Burke. Hey, Joel. Hello, hello. (laughs) Well, it's a beautiful day out there again, and good day for gardening. And I uh, I, uh, was... uh, was thinking about the PNR Lumber uh, special today. I was listening to the radio, and uh, I have quite a few beds I need to replace myself this uh, this season. So I think my son is going to head up and get some uh, some cedar or some hemlock uh, for the for the beds. Mm-hmm. Um, they have it there. Uh, they have it there. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. One way or the other, we'll get some and get and get started on that little job. Um, Today, I, I, I got curious about um, seed varieties. It was something you said that your ha- brother had sent you, what did you say, 24 different varieties of tomatoes. Of, of tomatoes, yeah. He, he, is a, <laughs> he is a container gardener in uh, the uh, Catskill Mountains where he lives literally on the side of a mountain. Uh-huh. And so there's no garden space, but he has a deck bigger than 
you know, the floor space of most people's houses, mm -hmm. and, you know, container after container, and that's as many, that's how many uh, different tomato varieties he has, and uh, this year as a present to his older brother, yes. sent, me, sent me the equivalent amount, and I must say that from places like Burpee, and from Cross Country uh, Seeds, I think is the name of the second company, mm -hmm. these plants arrive in absolutely pristine condition. That's I'm, pretty I'm, amazing. I'm amazed that. myself. Yeah, well, even uh, even if you don't special order them, you go right down to the farmer's market or to Cape Farms or Agway or Blue Seal or any of those, uh, Jail Branch, any of our sponsors that, that are selling plants. Um, there's a wide variety of tomatoes out there. And um, although... Uh, well, there, there are just lots of different varieties of all types of vegetables. And if we take tomatoes, for instance, which they call the nation's favorite vegetable, which is actually a fruit, it has so many varieties that even its varieties have varieties. <laughs> but why? Why are there so many varieties? You know, when I say the word tomato in my garden classes, I can almost see a vision of a big, huge brandy wine tomato in the thought bubbles of each person there and in the bread and the mayonnaise thick with the thick slab of juicy goodness, you know. You can see it in their mind. This is what they're thinking when I say the word tomatoes. And uh, I always have to pop that bubble by explaining it is the best to start with cherry tomatoes to see their shoulders sort of slump and the disappointment on their faces like, oh, cherry tomatoes, those little things. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'd just be advised if, you're a, if you are a new gardener, start with cherry tomatoes and work your way up. And uh, you will never be disappointed with cherry tomatoes, that much I can guarantee. But... Um, it's kind of funny, That's that seems to be the ideal tomato is this big fat... Oh, a beef steak that you slice and make a sandwich. <laughs> I can see my father right now just sitting down with this. Uh, he grew these pink uh, colored, you know, brandy wine and they were just solid meat. You know, there was no gaps in them at all. And, and uh, although it's, it sounds awful to me right now, he, puts a, he would put that on the middle of his plate. He would, you know, dust it with sugar oh boy. Yeah, and, then, and then pour vinegar on that. And he thought that was a slice of heaven. Wow, I, I don't blame him, actually. <laughs> no. Well, well, well. I, I never followed in those footsteps, but I love that big slice of tomato and put it on a, a, a piece, of, piece of good bread with mayonnaise and a little bit of salt, and I'm, and I'm all set. Uh, you can add any kind of, uh, you know, anything to that, whether it's lettuce or you can just leave it just that way and you have got a great sandwich. But like I said, the, that kind of tomato, uh, you know, is it, kind of, it, it's, a, it's a heavy feeder. You have to prune it. It so, needs to be supported so it doesn't fall over on its own weight. And um, it's not the place for, for you to start if you're just starting out with the, with the garden. If you're an old hand and you, you've grown these things before, then you know how much work it takes to, to get that kind of tomato uh, from, from your garden. But um, I still go back to, well, why? Why are there so many different varieties of tomatoes? What's, what's the reason for this? Besides, you know, of course, the spice is, you know, variety is the spice of life. You know, that's a good reason to have different varieties. but. 
In fact, there are different uses for each one of these. For instance, the well-known and uh, Amish paste or the Roma tomatoes. You know, those are a specific variety that are for sauces, and that's the reason you grow them. They're very delicious in a salad, can be used no problem at all. But the main reason that you, um, that you grow them is, is uh, for sauces. But I sort of skipped over the very beginning, right? Uh, in the very beginning, you have two basic varieties of tomatoes. You've got a bush tomato and you have a vine tomato. The bush tomatoes will grow um, and stop at a certain height, you know, three feet or four feet. They generally don't need to be pruned so much. I do prune them still e even though, but um, uh, they will, uh, they will, they will produce fruit and ripen all within a sort of a short span of time. And the reason that's important, and the reason you would choose to do a bush tomato over um, over a, a, a vine-type tomato would be that if you're planning to make sauce, if you're planning to, if you want to have a large harvest all within a short period of time. And that's the reason you choose a bush tomato, is that you, you want to make your you know, whether it's a, a sauce or for the freezer, you want to freeze them, or if you want to um, dry them, we dry a lot of tomatoes and, and use them all uh, winter long. And um, they're, those are absolutely terrific. So the reason you're choosing a variety, you know, is, is, is for the purpose you intend to use it. Um, the same thing, cherry tomatoes, those are the first out of the box you know they're they're small. They're they ripen quickly and early, and uh, in, in the cherry tomato I would include a grapes a grape the size which is slightly larger than the cherry, and then the saladette which is slightly larger than that. So the saladette and the cherry run from about quarter ounce up to four ounces. Those, you know, that's how you you categorize them is that the cherry tomato can be as small as a quarter of an ounce and up to two ounces, whereas uh, the saladette is usually two to four ounces, but they're still small and they ripen early. So that's the reason you would choose one of those. So as you go shopping for your tomatoes, you know, you want to check which varieties you're getting um, so that uh, you, you, you know, your end product is what you're looking for. Uh, Joel says we have a we have a caller Norm from Bristol. Welcome, Norm. Oh, hello. How are you? Well, good. Thanks. It's a beautiful day, huh? Oh yes, good for gardening. <laughs> um, I have three questions. Uh, hopefully, I can uh, have time to do them all. Uh, yeah. Mosaic on black raspberries. Now, what does that look like? Have you seen it before? Mosaic on black raspberries, or yeah, black? Are you talking blackberries? Oh, black raspberry plants. I have some that look really fine. They're all blossomed down. And there's some that come out and they, the leaves turn yellow and they don't uh, put out any blossoms. Uh, uh. And, and you think that that's mosaic? Well, the only thing that I can find in this book I have here is, is mosaic. Uh -huh. And it's carried by the red raspberries, which I have some planted close mm -hmm. to these plants. But mm -hmm. I haven't had this much of a problem until this year. I, I've had an occasional problem, but nothing like this year. Okay, and and again, that is on the black raspberry, right? Black raspberry plants, yeah. And what have you done so far for it? Anything? Well, what I've always done is clipped them out. 
clip them gotten, out. Gotten rid of them, you know. <laughs> and and what a, describe it to me what you're seeing that that, that makes you say it's a, a the mosaic. Well, it's just that the the leaves turn yellowish. Yeah. And they don't put out any blossoms. They look kind of sick. Uh huh. Do you see? Uh, does does uh, does any of the tips of the of the uh, stems uh, are they curled a little bit or anything like that? I think they are. I mean, I'd have to back out and look for that. Mm -hmm. um, this is something that occurs ever so often. What I did read about was that it was a nematode that carries it from plant to plant. Mm -hmm. So I assume that's probably how it's spreading. But I've seen it even in my wild ones. I have wild ones that I. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they do all right, and uh, so they're scattered around the yard, and I've seen it in them, too, so. Yeah. Well, um, there's, a diff there's a lot of different ways that it's spread. You know, it's, it's not, uh, like you're saying, it, could, it can come in from other raspberries. Um, it can come in with uh, uh, aphids. If you've got aphids, I don't know if you've noticed oh, that. I haven't seen any aphids. No. And then uh, sometimes you see like a, a black spot on the on the leaf. Um, you know, you said they turn a little bit yellow and. Yeah, um, yeah, the ones that are really bad, you know, uh -huh. and the ones that are uh, producing blossoms and. Yeah. Uh, they're doing really, really well. There's no. There's, only one thing that happens to them, and that is when the new growth starts from the base of the yeah. raspberry plant, there's yeah. an insect that lays an egg in there. Yeah, and right. I think it's a borer because some of the old canes, uh -huh. uh, when I uh, you know clean out underneath the plants, I'll find some of the hole right down through the center. Oh yeah, right. Well, no, that uh, well, that could be, but uh, a lot of times there the pith in the center of those canes does just deteriorate. Okay, because I thought it, there was a lot of it seemed like everyone was like that but right. I have actually opened them up I just found uh, well one last year I found a really good sized grub in there mm -hmm. and this year I found a small one mm -hmm. that slid mm -hmm. it open you know after I nip it off mm -hmm. and, uh, they will wilt them back but I've been trying to I put permethrin on it and I've been doing a much better job of trying to encourage those because they're getting kind of thin there in one of the areas so okay yeah well uh, I think you're on the on the right track uh, the the first thing is you, you got to make sure all of the old canes are gone um, that's right. that's real important mm -hmm. uh, second is of course just to make sure there's enough air um, flow right. around them that mm -hmm. that you're thinning it out enough I know the temptation is to if it grows leave it and yet you you want to make sure you leave a, a fairly good sized path in between uh, the vines and thin out the um, not vines, the stalks. Uh, brambles, I guess, is really the right term for them. But anyway, um, it, that's really important. And it's important that when you cut them off, you cut them slightly below the ground. Yeah. That's uh, that's number one. Number two is you want to make sure, even though it's a, probably a permanent bed, that you do rough up the soil around it to break. Um, because a lot of the um, the, the bugs that affect uh, and... and uh, that affect the stalks are are harbored in in the soil just on the top right. two inches of soil you won't you won't bother the rootstock at all just by um you know just by roughing that up well i've been going through them and uh, i got mulch around them yeah good good and so i've been pulling out tons of weeds <laughs> my fingertips are sore from it oh i but, feel uh, i feel your pain <laughs> well you know it doesn't last very long yeah. Um, the third thing is is to go ahead and and spray them with a neem oil. Um, the, the you know that's a 
Uh, I've got some of that. Okay, and 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 do it according to the the label, and I believe that's as often as once a week. Oh, really? Yeah, and so you 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 basically you have to stay on top of it. It's sort of like the uh, the asparagus beetle we talked about in the last two weeks. Is that it, once you start your treatment, you want to keep after it, and and because these these little critters um, uh, that spread the disease actually um, are are in the soil, and they're going to keep um, you know keep coming up. So you want to make sure that you you stay after after the um, after the spraying, you know, regularly uh, with the, with the neem spray, uh, you could try the if you have the spinosad. Uh, uh, I do. Uh, you could try that instead of the neem oil and see if you get better results with one or the other. Um, but but spray, it, spray it every week, though. So. Yeah, right. I would probably start with the either the neem oil or an insecticidal uh, soap. Captain but I Jack, I think I would start with the neem. Yeah, it's Captain Jack. Yeah, yeah. Yep, okay. Captain Chuck. All right. Um, second, second one? Second one, I just got a couple of uh, plum trees, and I have noticed in the past, I have one plum tree that I think I put the graft below the ground and it keeps putting up suckers. Oh, yeah. Is that what they do? Yeah, that's that'll happen okay. for sure. Matter of fact, it'll put up suckers even if your graft isn't below the ground, so you have to keep after yeah. those suckers, no question about it. Well, this one that I just got is a very small mm -hmm. uh, tree to mm -hmm. start with, but... The only place to show any life at all was below the grass. Now, mm. Should I let those continue to grow? Yeah, no. Them out of the ground now. Mm. No, you you should put them out, pull them out, cut them off. Cut them off. Not pull them off, but and cut them off. Really? One, two is if the top is dead. If you're not ha if you don't have any life above that graft, then it's time to just remove it and replace well, it. Well, I'm going to give it a you know a shot and let it go a couple more weeks and see what happens. Yeah, if you don't see in a couple of weeks, matter of fact, actually, if you're not seeing any life in that now, it is probably dead on the top. And that does well, happen. The graft is well, yeah, hale and hearty, and the and the top is just simply dead. These are the third time that I replaced these. Uh, finally got I finally got one that did show some life above the graph so that mm. one seems to be doing good the leaves mm. are coming out and they're you know getting bigger so are these bare rooted that you're getting yeah uh -huh. and, and are you getting them local or are you, are you no. having a trip there? no no um i've had good luck with them in the past with different trees that i've gotten but uh these you know it's third time i got them first time last spring got them again during the summer because they weren't showing any growth yeah so they replaced them again they mm -hmm kind of healed them in and um, they still didn't do any good anything so mm -hmm. called them again and they sent me two new ones and one of them is actually looking pretty good but yeah. this one here is not well uh, like i said uh, they should be hale and hardy right now i mean they should actually be flowering by this time and well they're not that big they're only about maybe a foot and a half tall when oh okay so they're first years so. they were dormant uh-huh okay yeah. first year yeah okay one quick uh yeah. Uh, the amounts for the perfect soil, I did not get the amounts for the peat moss, vermiculite, and lime. Mm -hmm. I'm putting that in today. Um, oh, cool. I've, but I was wondering, uh, what would you suggest for amounts for the peat moss? Now, this is a 4 by 8 or uh, was it a 4 by 4 those amounts that you gave me before? I use a, a 4 by 4 as my standard. Okay. And so if it's a 4 by 8 it's just So tense. I would have to double everything then for mm -hmm. 4 by 8 mm -hmm. So if it's um, if it's 6 inches deep, you know, with a 4 right. by 4, yeah. um, it's a uh, 
it's uh, the mix is one third peat moss, one third vermiculite, and one third perlite um, compost. One third, no, one third. When you say one third, what is that? Well, by volume, a four by four by six is uh, eight cubic feet. Okay. okay, and if you it, just to visualize this, it's about three five-gallon buckets of peat moss, three okay. five-gallon buckets of compost, and three five-gallon buckets of vermiculite. So that that is about eight cubic feet. And how much lime? And then now you start with a cup of lime. Couple, uh, one cup of lime. One cup of lime for that for that. Um, I also include a, a, one cup of a good um, organic fertilizer like ProGrow from um, any of our sponsors here. That's a, that's a great general, um, I think it's like a 5-3-4, it's, it's a good general uh, fertilizer. I include a, a cup of um, a rock powder, uh, com right. commercial grade is like an azomite it's called, but mm -hmm. now there's a lot of different rock powders around. And then um, I, I also like a, a sea kelp meal. A sea kelp right. meal is a known uh, root growth enhancer, mm -hmm. um, and uh, I, I find that it's uh, also got a lot of different trace minerals in it, so I like that. You know, I think that's a... That's a good. It's a good mix. It's a good to start, and um, as as uh, one of our listeners pointed out, that to remember to make sure that this is needs a lot of water to start with. So when you water it, you put a you fill up your bed good and 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 then start to water it and make sure you mix it and and uh, check down in this five or six or two or four inches whatever you're going and make sure that the it's wet down below because if you spray just on the top it'll look like it's wet but when you right. dig in it's it's not wet at all so yeah i just got done watering some things this morning uh -huh. and, uh, and i've noticed you know i just dug down a little bit and i said well it needs more water <laughs> it needs more so water right <laughs> it's surprising and of course it's comforting to know that that there's a lot of uh, that it holds a lot of water because the that's you know 90 percent of everything you grow is, is water yeah um one extra question on the fertilizer mm -hmm. now mm -hmm. i just got some moodoo yeah uh, you've heard of that? Sure. And this is for raised beds. It's got moodoo dirt in it. Yeah. It's got the composted cow manure. Uh -huh. Can I use that instead of the other fertilizer? Uh, I wouldn't. No. I. I. It, the generally compost is about a one one one. You know, it it's a it's a very uh, it's not it's more of a soil conditioner than it is a fertilizer. I know we're we're sort of used to thinking that uh, that uh, even a manure composted manure is not really that high in nitrogen. You know, you're you're going to ask this bed to grow a lot, more, maybe more than one crop a year, maybe two or even three crops. So you want to make sure they have plenty of nitrogen, uh, uh, phosphorus, and potassium available so it i think as a general rule it's good to add you know n not overdo it but to add about a cup at least once during the season and for your heavy feeders like if you're growing corn or broccoli or cabbages or any of those a tablespoon every other week is is a good uh per square foot is a good plan of action and you know w we want a lot out of these beds we want to make this uh, worthwhile and that's the, just small insurance to make sure everything is available to them as they grow. So, so the the moodoo is not really a fertilizer. It's more of a soil conditioner than it is a fertilizer. So I could use this as... Uh, the compost, eight. the one-third compost. You could use it as that. 
Okay, the one-third compost. Mm -hmm. uh, so, what was it? What was the type of fertilizer was that again that you recommended? Uh, ProGrow, and, and uh, what is it? Northeast Organics, I think, is the. It comes in a blue bag for the uh, for the general, and a red bag for the high nitrogen, and um, that's available at Agway and Blue Seal, and all the rest of our sponsors have it. Yeah, yeah Agway, uh, I have yeah. it very close by. Yeah, so you yeah. Use a, you use a cup of that for the four. Four by, by four, four, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then and then oh, during the season, it's about a tablespoon per square foot. Do you want to add around square those? Foot. Yeah. Okay. Add around those. Uh, that a tablespoon per square foot is a cup, you know. Um, yeah. But you want to start out with that as a general fertilizer, and then as you know, as the the plants grow, you want to make sure. Say like you see broccoli. Do you grow broccoli? Yes, I do. Okay, so. Uh, after you cut that top head, you know, you're going to yeah. get side shoots. Oh, yes. Okay, so, and I rely on those because sometimes when top head is only like three inches, it's very disappointing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, to keep that producing those beautiful side head, uh, side shoots, right, um, right. you want to keep fertilizing and watering it, you know, just so you keep getting a, a good crop. Right, that's what I usually do. Hey, what was your name again? I missed it. Norm. Norm, and where were you from, Norm? Bristol. Bristol. Yeah. All right. And uh, how big's your, your garden anyway? You, I've you, got about four different gardens. I've got berries and you know, all kinds of berries. I've got all kinds of fruit trees. <laughs> I've got all kinds of vegetables, you know. You're a busy man then. Strawberries, you know, <laughs> tons of different berries. Yeah. I just oh, yeah? Keep busy, yeah. Yeah. How do you grow your strawberries? Uh, I grow them in rows and it turns into like a mat. Yeah. So I just uh, rototilled up an adjacent uh, spot next to it and those I put in some starter plants for next year. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, because they're getting a little bit thin in some places. Mm -hmm. Original bed. It's only two years old, but it's got what there is left in there. Is There's tons of berries in there. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I, I had to stop because uh, the chipmunks were just eating absolutely everything. Oh, I had to put netting, and I go get rocks from my rock pile, and I go out <laughs> tighten up the netting, and I put a rock down, and I go, oh, I've got about 50 rocks a hole in that. Down. Yeah, you oh. fight the good fight then. Oh, my God. I've caught them. I, I, get, I have, a, have a heart trap, and I'll take them, and I'm my way to work i'll drop them off about uh, yeah like, right next to my days. house i know they're all right there well you knew they'd come back right if you went down only a mile or so down the road, they'd turn around and come back and that's it yeah you, you know you you can't carry them far enough away no yeah. no I, yeah, I had one of my one of my neighbors was telling me oh they took their mice and they dropped them off just down the road well just down the road happened to be right around the corner from my house you know <laughs> and, and i looked at her and i said you you dropped them off where <laughs> and she looked at me big eyed and said oh my god i'm dropping them off in your backyard <laughs> yeah there's plenty of those little guys running around too yeah Oh, there's lots of butterflies this year. Yeah, yeah, I noticed. Uh, I noticed one actually came inside, and it was a big yellow. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Swallowtails. I've got black. I've got yellow. I've got mm -hmm. bumblebees. Even mm -hmm. uh, the ones that are rare, like the rusty spot. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And, uh, all kinds of bees. Just un unbelievable on my blackberries right yeah. now. Yeah, I, I noticed it this morning. The the bumblebee on the on the blackberry this morning was was the size of a oh at least the size of a quarter i mean he was huge i know there are different sizes that do yeah. that are real small yeah, yeah. between yeah the medium size and then the large ones you know it's good to see them though yeah it is well norm it's uh it's good to talk to you thanks so much for your call all right thank let you. me know how it goes i will thank all right you.
Okay, thank you very much. And uh, we have uh, another caller on the line, and we will get to our friend Don in Northfield after these uh, messages from our sponsors. We sell quite a few of the breeds at the store when we have our chick days in the, in the spring. You put an order in, and you go pick them up. We've taken the grandchildren with us before to pick them out. We have about probably around 15 chickens. Me and my sister take care of all the animals. For introduction to dealing with a farm animal, chickens have got to be one of the best ways to go. They're actually very easy to take care of. Chick days have arrived, so print order forms online and bring them to any guy's farm and yard location, including our newest store in St. Albans. PNR Lumber Route 15 Wolcott has a good supply of cedar lumber for your spring and summer projects. We have pre-constructed cedar raised garden beds in stock for spring planting season. PNR Lumber has bark mulch by the yard. We stock rough and plain lumber in spruce, hemlock, tamarack pine, and cedar. PNR Lumber Route 15 Wolcott 472-6636 Monday through Friday 7 to 4:30, Saturdays 8 to noon. That's PNR Lumber 472-6636. Like us on Facebook too. And today at PNR Lumber, it's Customer Appreciation Day. Great prices, plus hot dogs and hamburgers and all kinds of fun and gift certificates and drawings. Today's the day to head on out to PNR Lumber. Clausen's is celebrating spring with Clausen grown annuals, perennials, vegetables, and herbs. At Clausen's, you'll find festive plants, seeds, colorful pottery, unique gifts and novelty items, as well as fabulous new garden accents and a full-service flower shop. Print out your weekly coupons from Clausen's online at Clausen's.com. Spring is here at Clausen's Florist Greenhouse and Perennial Farm, 187 Main Street, Colchester. Open seven days a week. Think spring. Think Clausen's. You are listening to WDEV News Radio, a network of stations owned and operated by the Radio for Mind Group. 96.1 WDEV FM, Warren and Waitsfield. 96.5 W243 AT Berry. 98.3 W252 CU Montpelier, along with our founding station, AM550 WDEV Waterbury Montpelier, and online at WDEVradio.com. It's In the Garden with uh, Peter Burke, and we have Don in Northfield on the line. Hey, Don, welcome aboard. You there? I will try again. <laughs> there we go. Whoop. <laughs> Don, you there? Yes. There All right. Go. Welcome. Welcome. I wanted to clean up what I finished the show a week ago with. All right. The, my secret for eggshells yep. is to put them on a old cookie sheet. Yep. Flatten them out. Yep. Put them in the oven at 500 degrees for about half an hour. And that, that burns off the inside filament on the shells. Sure. And then crush them and put them around things like that slugs seem to want. Okay. An Good. alternative, of course, is diamaceous earth, which I haven't used, but people swear by. Yep. And uh, I, I like to use the uh, sluggo, which is... Um, um, you know, it looks like little uh, wood pellets, uh, almost the same as what you use in a pellet stove. Oh. And uh, it's a, um, it has a, uh, it has stuff in it that uh, seems to repel the slugs, and it works really well. Um, it's it's easy to use. It's a very small amount, just like a tablespoon or so for, um, you know, for. Mm, uh, 
what was it, a tablespoon per two square feet? Anyway, that, that works real well for them, too, if you don't happen to have the eggshells and stuff. But the uh, that's a great way to use eggshells because they're real slow to, to decompose in the compost pile. And uh, if you have a problem with slugs, it, it it's great for the soil, good source of calcium, and, you know, it's... Um, that's a good idea. Thank you very much for that, Don. Well, in addition, baking them gets you about a 16 to 1 reduction. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah. But okay. Really reduce the quantity. Yep. And that seems to work well for the slugs. And you just dust it around, I think you said like about four inches around the plants. Yeah. Uh huh. Yep. Three to four inches it ought to be enough. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Well, Getting into my strawberries, I think, are immature earwigs. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Ah, well, Joel had the name of something that I there's no way I could ever pronounce, but the the upshot was that you could use that uh, the spinosad, the you know the Captain Jack's uh, dead bug, yeah. the spinosad as a spray on your strawberries, and um, it is organic, uh, and you know there's it's not harmful. It's not using like a uh, any other dust, like a, a seven or anything like that, it's it's um, it just washes off and it's not toxic. Okay, I've used that on asparagus. Yes, right. We we've talked about that for asparagus, but I guess it's also um, it's a uh, it's real useful for for your problems with your strawberries as well. Okay, in terms of blueberries, I have I have used what is called bird netting on them but i've got posts in the corners mm -hmm. and so i can spread the netting over the tops of the blueberries yeah i have a neighbor who, who um uses uh um you know plastic pipe just like uh plumbing you know okay. and he makes a frame and then uh and and so that keeps him up off the bush and uh, it looks like it makes it really easy to to lay out over and and uh, attach to the to them and and you can get in underneath it. You can get underneath it, yeah, to go ahead and pick and that kind of thing. There are two kinds of netting, however. Yeah. There is the bird netting, which is what I use, and then yeah. there is a tree netting, mm -hmm. which seems to be amorphous in terms of stretching. Oh. Huh. Okay. Yeah. And. It looks like the kind of thing that you might throw over a miniature fruit tree. Oh, okay, yeah, yep. It doesn't work well in terms of the my blueberry bushes. Yep, yeah. Okay, well, we'll um, I this year I'll probably I'm going to have a good crop of blueberries. I'll have to watch for signs to see if I'm going to need the the netting or not. Get the bird netting and yeah. not the the tree netting. Not the tree netting. All right. Thanks so much, Don. Much, okay. much appreciated. Thanks for the call. You're welcome. All right. well, okay. Good to, good to hear from you, Don. And again, that's, uh, it's the larva of the spotted wing drosophila. That uh, <laughs> is the culprit, one among many I'm, I'm discovering <laughs> in my <laughs> own garden. I tell you, I, I would be surprised if I have two or three new species in my garden alone. I've never seen You're out there creating your very own species I, I of insect. Huh? Spontaneous generation of life going on back there. I don't know what <laughs> happens when I'm not looking. But as I was leaving today, I, uh, I'm pulling out of the driveway and this 
big old fat green worm just plops down on the windshield. And I'm thinking, where in heaven's name did that come from? You know, I, and then I had uh, the uh, the gypsy the gypsy moth or the oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I had those on one of my fruit trees. They're weaving their baskets on my crab apple tree. Oh my gosh, yeah. And, and my my wife was like, she about, I could hear her screaming, you know. I was like, ah, they're off. So we, uh, I went out and, you know, just pulled them and grabbed them off and got rid of them. You know, they, fortunately, they, they, they aren't too bad at this point. Uh, when I lived out in Ohio, it was like a plague. And I remember going out with my uncle. He was a Boy Scout leader, and we went all around the town and, and uh, we had these uh, torches, like you know, with the kerosene, and we actually burned them out of the, out of the, pretty gruesome. But anyway, uh, we went around, and and it did help. The next year, there was, there was hardly any of them. When when I was a kid in Jersey, uh, it was the seven year locust, and yeah. they did manage to come around yeah. every, about about every seven years. And uh, when they came around, they came around in biblical numbers. You know. Is that right? Oh, really? I used to catch these. They're like huge house flies, is what they oh, look like. Oh, yeah. And I yeah. catch them by the wings and then chase my little brother around with them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there, were, there were plenty to go around. But uh, when I th think about infest, I've, I've seen and heard them here in Vermont, but not in the numbers. I not in the numbers, no. Oh, my goodness. Well, let me, speaking of numbers, let's give out the telephone numbers, <laughs> which uh, locally 802 is 244 1777, or toll free from most anywhere at 877-291-8255. And we'll take this little pause. Uh, we'll take advantage of this time right now yep. to again thank the fine sponsors that really are responsible for making this program possible mm. each week. Where do you find locally grown plants? At Montpelier Agway, of course. Their nursery is full of locally grown annuals, perennials, vegetables, herbs, and hanging baskets. Buy six six-inch annuals for just $36, and all trees, shrubs, and blueberries are 20% off. Montpelier Agway, locally owned. Route 2, Montpelier. Get a load of the racks at Linda's Apparel. A tradition of ladies' clothing continues in downtown Virgins at Linda's Apparel and Gifts. Spring is in full bloom with vibrant colors, stylish accessories, sparkling jewelry, and the most captivating collections of ladies' fashions around. Soft, eye-catching pastels, effervescent splashes of color, simple to essential, graceful lines, and functional comfort. Freshen up what's in your closet for the warmer days ahead at Linda's Apparel, Main Street, Virgins. Let's say you need a hinge, a sweatshirt, a birthday card, a new toaster, some sugaring supplies, some local beer or local cheeses and breads, even local greens, roots, and meats. Now let's say you need a new bathing suit or some logger boots, maybe a new onesie for your baby, or stylish Carhartt clothing. What about curry and cumin? Maybe sewing notions. Can you think of one place you can get all of that? Well, I can. The Woolies Store in downtown Greensboro. Did I mention the cheapest gas around? The Woolies Store. If Woolies doesn't have it, you certainly can get along without it. And uh, once again, here's Peter. Hey, Joel. Yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, I will 
uh, pick up where we left off on the varieties and the idea behind varieties is the different uses in the in the garden. I, re I remember when I was uh, growing up in, in the Bronx, when I say mm -hmm. Jersey, it was my grandfather's farm that we visited during the, the summers, but growing up in New York, we're uh, in the Bronx and, you know, there's all kinds of concrete and very yep. little grass space, but uh, in the Italian neighborhood in which we were privileged, and we were the Czechoslovakians in the Italian neighborhood, mm -hmm. but all, all the, uh, uh, they would grow their Roma tomatoes wherever they could, sometimes yep. right in front of the house, yep. just a little patch of grass. Absolutely. And, uh, it, it, they seem to be so prolific yeah. because I mean they boiled up uh, you know tons of sauce. It would come come harvest time. You could just smell it all throughout mm. the Bronx. This is yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, uh, but with regard to the tomatoes, my brother has sent me. There are some that we we both love, uh, mm -hmm. different varieties. But he has also gotten into looking for the weirdest striped varieties <laughs> and purple tomato. I'm not kidding. And oh. apparently, I've got a couple of those. So I'm hopefully they'll uh, they'll they'll you know come to uh, to the point where uh, where they actually do uh, produce fruit, and I can report on some of the strange things. But just from the titles of them, like purple striped, uh, you know, master tomatoes or whatever the variety was, I know I'm in store for some kind of surprise. Well, I I saw one this morning called the pink. Berkeley tie-dye. Ah, <laughs> but I, I should mention one thing. The, 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 the geniuses down at the, the Cornell uh, you know, uh, research laboratories that are trying to come up with a late blight resistant mm -hmm. tomato mm -hmm. did so right off the bat, mm -hmm. but you wouldn't want to eat it. Yeah, that's, that's, no right. Flavor. And, that's right. And the real trick, and they're still working on it, is to find whatever genetic properties that can be transferred in, uh, into a tomato that will uh, give it the good taste along with this uh, blight resistant. But for the time being, we, we have to deal with those in, in situations where we expect the blight or experience the blight we we have to deal with those tomatoes that seem to be naturally blight resistant and there are a few yeah the and i i've noticed in the catalogs there seem to be a few more every year um and uh the the as you say the trick is coming up with the tomato that you actually want to eat um that tastes good and uh that that seems to be the trick and i i've grown a few of them um uh, Richard uh, Wiswall there at Cape Farm had a few. I think Reliance uh, was one of them, and I can't remember. But they they were uh, those ones were the medium size uh, tomatoes, and in uh, the, or what they call a medium slicer or a, oh, uh, uh, what else they call it is a um, well anyway it's a medium sized tomato. Uh, they they were they were good. They were fine. You know, it's any ripe tomato in Vermont's a good tomato. Um, but the the reason that we choose these different uh, varieties, some are hybrids, some are heirlooms, some are made more for greenhouses, some are actually grafted tomatoes. And then you, you start with all the different colors. You can get reds and pinks, yellows, oranges, black. They call them black, but they're just sort of a, a dark they're not actually black, like a black rose. And then there's the purple, same same idea. It's not like a bright purple. Um, but And then there's the zebra tomatoes, like you were saying, and then the different green tomatoes. And that's green, not unripe, but green when they're ripe tomatoes. And so, you know, why would you choose? You know, why are there so many different types of varieties? 
So um, as I was saying about the Roma tomatoes or the, you know, the paste tomatoes, that obviously has a very specific purpose. Uh, again, the, your cherry tomatoes, you want to choose those for, for the first uh, tomatoes uh, of the year. And, and they will grow over a period of time, uh, well, actually right up to the last frost. And so you're always, you always have some ripe tomatoes for your, um, for your salad or whatever else that you want to use. Uh, one of the, uh, the tomatoes, cherry tomato varieties that seems to be very popular right now is the sun gold because they're just like eating candy. They're so delicious and all the rest. But uh, they also are a beautiful orange color and they're nice in the, in the salad in that you put the red and the orange and your yellow tomatoes in there and uh, it makes it for a pretty salad and and good flavor too good flavor for all of them um your your medium slicers as they call them um they're you know as again like i said the medium sized ones are run from about four ounces you know quarter pound up to a pound and a half 14 ounces that's a pound and a quarter something anyway um 12 ounces in the pound at all is it I'm thinking of cups. So oh. 16 minutes. Yeah, right, right, right. So anyway, they're medium-sized. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> Mid-sized tomatoes. <laughs> and uh, the one that Ed always liked was the uh, the Jetstar. And it was a it's a great producing uh, bush-type tomato. Uh, it's in that medium size, the, the 4 to 12 ounce. And it's very reliable uh, here in Vermont. Now, when you get to those bigger ones, the beefsteaks and the brandy wines, and a for the most part, you know, those are tough to grow. And uh, particularly if you're just starting out, it's it's not really where you, you know what you want to start with. You you want to start with these medium size uh, bush tomatoes is a is a good one, particularly if you're you're planning to store uh, any of your stuff. Um, otherwise, uh, you know, your your vine type tomatoes are good for the long haul. They'll grow and grow and grow until the last forest. Same thing, the same idea is true for green beans. You know, we all love green beans. Um, there are bush green beans and there are pole green beans. And uh, the bush green beans, they will, um, you know, they flower and, and fruit uh, sort of in mass within a two or three week period you can get two or three um, two or three harvests and then you know that that allows you to you know do your canning or freezing whatever you're going to do um, within a short period of time and that's what they're designed to do that's why there are bush tomato uh, bean plants the pole beans on in, in contrast you know they they are um, they are quick to produce um, they will grow um, um, a good six eight feet tall with they give they'll grow just about as tall as you'll support them um and they will grow over the whole season you will have uh, fresh green beans right through you know right through the last frost and so that's the advantage of growing a pole bean versus a bush bean so again you have varieties but they're they're there for different different purposes um, even within the bush variety and the pole variety, there are uh, varieties of varieties. You know, the bush bean has the green and the yellow and the purple. Again, those are uh, those are just sort of uh, side dressing. You know, the the purple ones I've noticed that when you cook them, they turn green anyway. So it's just uh, it's just for looks, honestly. 
Um, the, uh, the yellow, uh, they do stay yellow and they're pretty in the bowl when you cook them up. My wife makes this wonderful, she steams the green beans when they come in and, and she just, you know, so they're just tender, right? And then she puts a little olive oil and a little butter on them. And then she uses this, uh, omoboshi vinegar, which is a salty, uh, plum vinegar from Japan. And uh, I swear it is like eating popcorn. It's so delicious. You just sit there with a bowl of those and everybody, you know, fingers. <laughs> it's good finger food. <laughs> so anyway, the, the green beans, right, you want to choose your variety according to what you want in the, in the long run. Um, there's a, both in the bush bean and in the pole beans, there are what they call flat potted, and I call them Roma beans. Absolutely the most delicious, most tender bean you will ever have. And they're flat potted, which, you know, you sort of expect them to be a little stringy and stuff, but they are absolutely delicious. If you've never tried those, definitely give them a try. I've had I've had trouble with uh, the deer and the pole beans. I oh. keeping the deer away from mm-hmm. it, of course, and they they first start uh, eating it at uh, head high, which is halfway up the pole. Oh yeah, and it pretty much does in the plant. Okay, so in that case, you know you want to grow your your uh, bush beans. Yes, indeed. That yes. way you can throw your cover right over them, right. and that'll pro- usually discourage them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and um, uh, it's. Uh, <laughs> Um, so, so you, you, uh, you choose a variety according to what your need is, what, you you know, what, what's going on in your garden. And, um, so that's true, uh, for like cucumbers. Now cucumbers, again, huge variety of varieties, you know, there's the, 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 of course the smallest ones that are, that are for, um, for pickles. They call them a pickling cuke. Um, sometimes they're called like a gherkin. So those run about four inches when they're when they're ready to harvest. They will get bigger and fatter, and but at that point they they're almost uh, they're not really tasty. They're they're at their peak when they're about four inches long. So if you want them for pickles, um, that's you want to grow a pickling or a gherkin, and uh, and uh, quite frankly we we enjoy them in our salads just as much just as delicious as a as a salad cuke, as a, um, as a regular slicing cuke. And those are, those are a great, if you can only grow one type, if you only have enough room for one type, um, you know, that's a, that's an early producing, uh, it will grow, you know, if you're growing it on the trellis, you can do eight plants in one four foot trellis, two per square foot. And so you, you get a huge amount, you know, from a very, very small, uh, space. Now, one of my favorites is, of course, the um, the big long burpless, as they call them, or European. I think they call them now. I think I think they've they've changed the name from burpless <laughs> to <laughs> to uh, European. Um, so, uh, and these have a, a real tender, delicious skin on them, whereas you know some of the other, you know, like the um, uh, market more, um, some of them have a little more waxy kind of of a skin. And uh, so you want to peel those, but the the European ones are they have a a real nice tight uh, thin skin that's very delicious, and so you don't need to peel them at all. And then the reason they're burpless in a sense is that the seed itself, the seed pod, is not waxy, and uh, you know the it's the waxy seed that actually you know 
makes them a little, you know, hard to digest is that waxy seed coating that you have on the other. I know some, some people actually go ahead and, and, you know, will hoe out all the seeds in their cucumbers after they peel them. And the, that's the reason that they would do that is because the seed, the seed hulls were a little bit waxy. And um, so, again, you want to choose your variety, even for a cucumber, for what you want to use it for. You know, there, and you may choose, uh, well, I want the, 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 the pickling cukes because I'm going to make pickles, or I want them because they're early and we like the flavor of them. At the same time, you grow uh, a European one so that you have them for later for, you know, for things. So, um, you know, the varieties are there not just, you know, to, to look at, but they have certain uses that, you've, that you need to think about as you're choosing those, um, those different ones. Now, I had, um, uh, we, were, we were at a potluck last night and somebody mentioned, well, what do you do about flea beetles, you know? And the, the flea beetle, um, if you haven't seen it, well, if you've gardened, you've probably seen it. But if you haven't seen it, it's just like a little tiny black bug. I mean, tiny in terms of it's not even a 16th inch around. And they're just like fleas in that if you come near them or you touch them, they jump. And you just, you, there's no way to really catch them at all. And the way you know that you have them is that you've got these round holes in the leaves. Generally, they just love the first uh, set or two of leaves in your plants. And they, will, they, they can, you know, be very destructive on, uh, like, your broccoli and cabbages and all of your coal plants. But if it isn't a bad infestation, generally speaking, the plants will live through it and and they'll outgrow uh, an infestation of, of flea beetles. So, But if it does get bad, you can use an ex insecticide soap or the neem oil or the spinosad. All three of them will work just fine on them. And you will only probably need to spray them once. You know, it's just for that first initial. Um, as as the later in the season that you plant, the less likely you'll have flea beetles because they go on a cycle where they live down in the soil and they pop up. Do we need to break for a sponsor? Or are we... we have our final two sponsors, and we will take a break for those and then have the uh, next uh, five or six minutes of our program. Still time for people to call if you have a question at 244-1777 or toll-free 877-291-8255. It is In the Garden with Peter Burke. It's bug season. Hi, this is Tiffany from Menards Agway. Whether it's the pests that bite you or the pests that bite your pets to the bugs that eat your garden, we have the organic and non-organic insecticide and repellents at family-owned and operated. Menards Agway, your yard, garden, and pet place. Open seven days a week. Brooklyn Street, Morrisville. Take $7 off all three-dose boxes of Frontline Flea and Tick Control this weekend. And don't forget to refill that barbecue tank for just $12.99. Hi, this is Lisa from Grow Compost of Vermont. I'm dreaming of peas and radishes, flowers, and fresh tomatoes. Spring has arrived and Grow Compost is here to nourish your organic garden. Pick some up or call to schedule a delivery today. Contact us to arrange food scrap pickup service for your business or organization. Find us on Route 2 in Moortown or contact us at growcompost.com. Grow Compost, exceptional local soil. 
Indeed, and uh, when you stop in at the uh, sponsors you hear mentioned on uh, WDEV's In the Garden, mention that you were listening to the program. It uh, means a lot to us. Yeah, Peter, uh, this is a bad year for ticks. I heard the Menards Agway uh, frontline <coughs> products, and uh, I check my beagle for ticks every time we go out. Yeah. And the other day, I, uh, after checking uh, the beagle, I took off my shirt, and there was a tick crawling on it. Oh, my. Oh, my. So, oh my. Definitely. So I've seen the <laughs> Uh, Isn't there a song about that? <laughs> I, I, it must be. I'm thinking of putting one of those frontline collars on myself. Well, you you laugh, but I thought it wasn't it last week on the bird show. They he mentioned uh, when you walk through, they he actually used a, a tick uh, a tick collar on his uh, on his leg on on each ankle. I, I don't blame him. <laughs> <laughs> the dog seemed to be fine. So. Yeah, right. You, it, but it was you. For the product. Yeah. Now, did you? Uh, yeah, I, I thought of that, too, when I was listening to Menards. It was like, oh, it's like they've been listening to us, you know. It's like <laughs> all, all of your needs for your bugs. <laughs> and the nice thing about, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I stop out at Menards when I occasionally work at our companion station, WLVB. Yeah. And uh, they, like, uh, like many of the other fine sponsors we have, not only have the products, but they have the knowledge and the expert advice. And uh, there are people there that can, you know, pretty much assess what your situation is, look over what they have, and uh, let you know what uh, what's what's best for your needs. And uh, that's uh, that's really re reassuring because they're in the same situation we are. They've got home gardens. In some cases, they've got commercial gardens, and they know ex exactly how to deal with these problems when they occur. Yeah, that's right. And it's uh, we all are sort of face the same problems when when it comes to all the uh, and and. That was sort of last week's theme was the uh, the fortress, you know, trying to <laughs> trying to protect the the goods, you know, with all the different things that attack you. Oh boy! So anyway, um, we we covered we're sort of running out of time, aren't we? But I'll I'll just sort of jump in for one more um, uh, varieties, okay? Uh, uh, the varieties of your winter squashes. Now, my wife and I are very fond of the butternut squash, and yes. we grow a lot of that. And but the uh, acorn squash, I know people swear by that, um, and the buttercup, and then and then you can uh, the delicata. We have actually. Uh, started to grow those because they are, e even though they're not big and meaty the way the butternut is or the acorn squash is, you know, they're very delicious and we just fry them up right in the fry pan, just cut them about quarter inch and fry them up. The acorn and the buttercup were just absolutely great. You put them in the freezer. But then there's the Hubbard squash, which is sort of like the Godzilla. Of, well, let's see. Is that the right word? That's sort of like the... I, I discovered the, that the bigger the Hubbard squash, there's less squash in there. A lot of <laughs> hollow stuff in the middle. <laughs> see, I, was, I was growing them. I had one that really took off, and so I just kept throwing more compost uh -huh, on it. Yeah. And I did get a, a huge Hubbard squash. Uh -huh. I cut it in half, and it really had very little flesh in it. It was like an inch of yeah, flesh right, all the way yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's accumulative, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's uh, the, one of the reasons that's why I choose the butternut. And in some years when I get them, they, they are literally, you know, 14, 15, 16 inches long. And the neck on that is a good 12 inches of it. And it's just all solid meat. And uh, that's kind of the reason I I like to, to do those. And then we bring them in and wash them up. My wife washes them with a little bit of, a tiny bit of Clorox, a real weak Clorox. And she washes them and dries them. And then, you know, they, they last a good long time. They're, they're really great. My daughters like the spaghetti squash. Yeah, yeah, I have a couple of friends who are wild about that. 
Yeah, and and uh, do you you use them like uh, with a tomato sauce? Just yeah, right. Well, no, actually, we we, we a little butter and maple syrup. <laughs> There's a little 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 different way of uh, approaching a, a vegetable spaghetti. But uh, I tell you, you you steam it and then uh, some butter and maple syrup. Mm-hmm. Yum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it makes it all worthwhile, doesn't it? <laughs> oh boy, so. Um, Let's see. I I had one other person uh, at the potluck last night ask me about cutworms, and I think we talked about that yeah. a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you were both saying is that they they just wrap around the stem and cut it right off, and and but uh, and the best way, of course, to prevent cutworms is to put collars on them. If you have a lot of cutworms, and you'll see as you're digging, if you have a lot, you'll see a lot of them. You know, they live in that first top old three or four inches of soil. And as you're digging, you'll see their little, you know, they're like a, an orange worm with, that almost looks like it's armored. You know, it's really tough. And uh, they, um, they will, one and done, they will just cut you the whole stem off of uh, your, your new sets and stuff. So as you're planting, you want to sort of take your finger or a pencil or something and just sort of move it around. And usually that will be enough to, to dig him up. And if he's in there, if you have a problem with it and then and then you put your collar down in, in after you've planted, after you've double checked to make sure he's not inside the collar. Yeah. I've had that. <laughs> Yeah, well, you're not alone in that. <laughs> so um, uh, that uh, that's the flea beetles and the cutworms people ask me about. Let's see. I think that's about all of them. So as you look at all the different varieties in the you know in your in your catalogs, right, or or the the wonderful plants that our, uh, many of our sponsors have, you want to think about what it is that you want as an end product, more or less. Why are you growing, you know, why are you doing this particular, you know, variety and choose it according to that. And then when I do my garden map, um, you know, I always do uh, so many of the cherry tomatoes, the red ones, the yellow ones, and the orange ones. Um, that way, uh, you know, when I go to buy them, I know exactly what I need. And uh, so, our varieties have varieties. Well, I thank you, Peter. Another informative program, and thanks our, to our listeners who called. Sure. And, uh, we'll continue uh, on this theme next yeah, week once yeah. again. Okay, good. And, yeah, we, if you go into the, any of the stores or the sponsors that we have, make sure you let them know that you appreciate it. And we'll see you next week All in, right. in the garden. In the garden. Brought to you by the Willie Store, your true value hardware store near Caspian Lake in Greensboro. By Clausen Florist Greenhouse and Perennial Farm in Colchester. Check Clausen's.com, especially Mondays, for their Monday discount coupons and specials. 
Guy's Farm and Yard, your neighborhood community feed, grain, animal, and yard store. Locations in Morrisville, Montpelier, St. Albans, and Williston. There's one near you, of course. Guy'sFarmandYard.com. By Grow Compost, just down the road from the radio station here. Compost, soils, mulches, and lots more. Route 2 in Moortown. GrowCompost.com. PNR Lumber, your complete local lumber store on Route 15 in Walcott. They're open for about another half hour or so on their customer appreciation day. Some great prizes and goodies await you if uh, you're close enough to visit and catch them before they close today. Menards Agway, your yard garden and pet place, Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. By Blossom Cottage Florist. And Taste of the North, top quality flower arrangements and more at Blossom Cottage Florist. And oh, so many good things to eat at Taste of the North. Route 302 in Barry. In uh, Virgin's, do stop in at Linda's Apparel. Just a wonderful store, bursting with vibrant colors, stylish accessories, sparkling jewelry, and the most captivating collections of ladies' fashions around. By Jail Branch Greenhouse, perennials, annual soils, always great selection and wonderful folks there on Route 302 in Barry. And your locally owned Agway store. By golly, they've got everything, seeds and feeds and a whole lot more. Route 2 in Montpelier. Be sure to join us next Saturday at 1230 for In the Garden.